Thank you. It's nice to be with you this morning. You know, I was thinking recently just about the conflict. You know, there's so much conflict in the world. We look at today within society and uh, within families and even nations. You know, you look at politics in America and there's so much, you know, it's like they're at war with each other, you know, the resentment and what have you. And you can look at this guy even in North Korea, he's beginning to calm down a bit over maybe the last few months or something. But even with him, it's all conflict. And even to the point that his people were starving, you know, the, the poverty within the nation. And he just this conflict and you say, where is that coming from? And the brokenness today within our world, where is it coming from? And it's coming from one place, it's pointing back to one place, and that is the Garden of Eden, where things began to go wrong. See, in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect, you know, it was a place of pleasure. You know, that's what Eden means, pleasure. And there was, there was no sickness there was no suffering, you know, there was no addiction, there was no mental health issues, no conflict whatsoever. But when Adam and Eve took of that forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, everything changed at that point in time. Every single thing changed, you know, and conflict came in. And, you know, I know families and groups of people and all they know is drama in their life. It's drama, 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 conflict. And that conflict is coming from within people. You know, and we need to ask, is there an answer, you know, for our lives? You know, you even get it in churches. Some churches are worse than others, you know, but some churches are okay, they're quite functional. Some churches are very dysfunctional. And where is it coming from? It's coming from the people, you know, who are affected with it to different degrees. But, you know... We need to ask, ask, is there an answer for people today, for, for communities and individuals? And in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, I want to speak about two verses in particular this morning. Uh, but in Leviticus 17, verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So if you remember just that last part, part of the verse of Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And if you, those of us who know our Bibles this morning, we know that was before Jesus Christ came. You know, they were talking about this, the, the blood of animals, sacrificing animals. And what we were getting told here was the animals have got to be sacrificed. You know, the blood has got to be shed for atonement for the soul. And what does that mean? It means to be reconciled back to God. But that blood was just a substitute for a future day. And that day was pointing to the day of Calvary, the day of the, when Jesus would go to the cross. It was a substitute. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came once and offered a sacrifice once and for all for sin. So no more did he need to sacrifice animals, the substitute. And he came. Why did he come? Because of what happened back in the garden, back then at that particular time. And Jesus Christ went to the cross 
He shed his blood for me and for you. You know, they put nails through his hands. You know, blood was been shed. They ripped out his beard according to Isaiah chapter 50. Blood was shed. They put a crown of thorns upon his head. There's blood coming from everywhere. Nails through his feet. You know, they whipped him 39 times before that. Blood has been shed. You know, why has it been shed? In the book of Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, this was 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah began to prophesy about this coming Messiah and in one verse, but there's many verses throughout the Bible, one verse he tells us why he was coming, and he says but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, so the chastisement for our peace was upon him, our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed, so that's Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 and there is four sentences within that and the first two sentences deal with forgiveness you know, so today I'm speaking about the gospel of forgiveness but also the gospel of restoration, why? because the first two sentences says he was wounded for our transgressions meaning sin, he was bruised for our iniquities again speaking of sin, speaking of wrongdoing the next verse is chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed, those next two sentences, the last two sentences it speaks of uh, the absence of conflict uh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him that is the absence of conflict within a human being the very peace of God and by his stripes we are healed me in restoration so I want to say this morning Jesus Christ never just came for forgiveness he came for restoration and the Bible tells us before the fall of man that Adam and Eve were created in the image of God in his image and in his likeness but when they never passed that test, when they took of that forbidden fruit, everything changed. Everything changed. You know, and what happened, you know, we were prone to sin. Not just sin, but being wounded. You know, that, that, that's the fallen nature. We can be wounded by other people or wounded by, you know, our sin and the sin of others against us. And, you know... Uh, People are going through many different things in life. Some people, so many people are going through different traumas. And some people, it's abuse. Abuse can come in many, many different forms. For some people, it's bullying. They've been through bullying. It's, it's causing wounds in the soul. Some people, it's divorce and broken relationships. Broken dreams, bereavement. Some people have been through one bereavement after the next, after the next. And that can be very, very traumatic to a person's well-being. For some people it's ill health, injustice, betrayal, family problems. You know, and all these things begin to have an adverse effect upon the soul. So in other words, we're going to get through stuff in life. And people end up damaged. You know, they end up wounded. Wounded because of things they're going through. And sometimes even because of their own sin. If somebody is living a sinful life, it does much damage to their soul. You know, a tremendous amount of damage. And these things... You know what people are going through in life, they begin to have an adverse effect upon them. The, the wounds that they're suffering in life. And it can put people into a place of despair and hopelessness. Some people become bound in deep-rooted insecurity. For some people it's anger or depression, low self-esteem and a sense of worthlessness. 
for some people it may be anxiety anxiety is a big thing I was just watching just a couple of weeks ago uh, that program the 700 club see that the, the wee Pat Robertson's on God TV I was falling asleep and, and you already knew the population of America is 350 million people but as I was falling asleep and the kind of laptop was still playing in the background I heard them saying 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety you know out of the 350 million 40 million that's a high percentage you know, that's a high rate so that tells us that anxiety is a big problem within this world and I don't know if you've ever been affected by anxiety but it's a horrible thing but you just can't see a way forward you know something just triggers it you know and the result of trauma is anxiety for people who have got post-traumatic stress disorder it is an anxiety disorder they suffer from stress anxiety uh, insomnia agitation all, all these kind of things and about a year or two ago maybe about two years ago I was watching this program uh, with George W. Bush it was, his father just died then he was he was the president I think it was Bill Clinton then it was him so the one that's still alive he was making this program with Fox News with a guy, uh, Sean Hannity, with Fox News and what happened was he, he, his dad had sent the, the, the kind of troops into Iraq when, uh, America, when Iraq had invaded Kuwait and a few years later when he was the president he sent them in again to Iraq and Afghanistan after 9-11 but he retired for the presidency and he started this organisation uh, to help veterans you know, and it wasn't veterans who had physical problems, some of them were amputees and that it wasn't the ones, it was the ones who had mental health problems through being in combat and a lot of them were traumatised and would never work again, suffering from insomnia and many different things and you know, it's inward issues you know what I mean, we're talking about here and we're all dealing with, most of us are dealing with inward issues, you know, whether it's whether you want to call it mental health or trauma or whatever you may call it we're dealing with inward issues, why? Because of the of man because of what happened back in the garden even if it's character traits you know character defects but what happened was the interviewer was interviewing him Sean Hannity and he says when do these people get better so he's working with them obviously to, to, to try and help them uh, through his organisation and he made this comment to the interviewer he says no they don't get better in other words, they still are for the rest of their life. And I says, that's interesting, you know, what he's saying there. So I began to look at it a bit further on the internet and look at what psychiatrists and psychologists are saying. And I read loads of stuff about that, but you know, the, the penny hadn't dropped on me. And what psychiatrists and psychologists are saying is, if people, somebody's affected by something uh, in the area of mental health, whether it's paranoia or whatever it may be, whatever illness it may be, depression, if the symptoms continue over a period of time, longer than six weeks, the chances are they're never going to get better. It might come and go, different things might trigger it, whatever it is we suffer from. But it says the chances are they're not going to get better. And this is what George Bush says because he had learned some stuff off the professionals. You know, but this is what the Bible tells us. This is the answer. That Jesus Christ came and went to the cross. And the Bible says, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Atonement being reconciled back to God. And in Psalm 23, verse 2 and verse 3, the last part of verse 2, the first part of verse 3, it says, David says that the king, it says, he leads me beside the still waters, he restores my soul. 
So the Bible is telling us here that we can get something from Jesus Christ that the world cannot offer. I'm not against psycho- psychologists and psychiatrists and counsellors, you know, they do a great job and they're involved in research, you know, but it's amazing that people can go on and begin to identify with these symptoms and begin to see what is wrong with them. But they will tell you themselves, even counsellors, we cannot get to the root of the issue. The counsellors can counsel people, help them process things, help them come to terms with things, there may be a measure of release, but they'll tell you, the, the mental health professional will tell us, we cannot get to the root of the issue. But there's another way. See, when Jesus Christ was beginning his ministry, the first thing he'd done is, he, the Bible says he went into the synagogue, and he stood up, and he opened the scroll, And he began to read from Isaiah chapter 61. And this is what he says. See, Jesus Christ, he is the one who made us. And he is the one who can fix us. And he says these words. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Meaning forgiveness of sins. He has sent me. To heal the brokenhearted, the human condition, he understood the human condition. He is the one who made us. To heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. To open the doors of the prisons for those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favour. And Isaiah chapter 61 goes on to say, To give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and for your shame, he says, I will give you double honour. So what he was saying was, and what the Bible says, that there can be a divine exchange can take place when one comes to Jesus Christ. You know, why, why is that possible? Because it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Jesus Christ went to the cross, not just so that we can be forgiven, but so our very lives can be restored, our souls, our minds, our bodies. You know, you look at these celebrities, and you think they've got everything to live for. They've got millions of pounds in the bank. They've got the fame. You know, but many of them are so, so, so unhappy. You know, they're on social media. Not just celebrities on this, but... And they're telling about all their achievements. And, and one in particular, these people have got millions. You know, and they're very well known. But they're on social media saying, we were at such and such palace meeting the, the princess. It was her that was married to Andrew with Fergie, the caller. We were there, and they're kind of bragging about it. And this stuff but it will never fill that void in their soul you know I watched a couple of programs about two years back about Sinead O'Connor everybody knows who Sinead O'Connor is if, you were, if you're British you'll know who Sinead O'Connor was and that girl she, she spoke about her life in depth in different interviews and what she says was from the age when she was born to the age of 13 she was a uh, her mother abused her in every way that you can think of. Every way she performed it. And that began to dominate the rest of her life. She was, as a young girl, you know, she was on the talk shows in Ireland singing beautiful songs, the Catholic hymns, and she had beautiful long hair. She looked feminine and very attractive, just as a young girl. But as the years went on, this damage that was done to her in life began to manifest. And she began to shave her head. And she's pointed that back to a traumatic incident that happened when she was young during the years with her mother. And by the age of 21, she was in America. 
and she was singing in front of thousands of people and she began to win all the awards you know all the fame you know the, 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 the gifting she had everything you think you could have to live for but she got married and divorced married and divorced married and divorced she was married four times and divorced four times she had four different kids I don't know if it was one each marriage but she had four kids the last child just a couple of years ago the father took her to court of the child to get the kid removed from her and the kid got removed so at the point she was doing these interviews she was just out of the priory she was suffering from depression and she's doing this interview and you could tell she was a troubled, troubled soul very disturbing she, she came out obviously early for the priory that guy Dr Phil he'd got her into the priory to try and get her help and she got involved as well with this kind of breakaway this, these people in Ireland were like a breakaway for the Catholic Church like a cult, a sect and you know what some people do they go through follow rules and it doesn't change anybody because the Bible says for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul last year in 2018 she became a Muslim it's a false religion you know it doesn't change I know many Muslims are, they're not changed they are not changed they, they fast at Ramadan you know what I mean they go to the mosque they're nice people but they're not changed from the inside out do you know what I mean they still go with women I, I says to I worked in a place and uh, I says that he's fasting but he's you're married and you're, you're running about chasing other women and all this kind of stuff they still smoke they still do all the things they shouldn't be doing why? because the Apostle Peter says there is no other name under the, uh, other than the name of Jesus that one can be saved. You know, and the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And we look today at our society and we say, what is the answer? And the answer is right there in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. We need reconciled back to God and God do to do a work of restoration in our lives. And many of us in here today, we may have experienced a measure of that. But I believe there is so much more coming. You know, people are sick in their bodies. People are sick within them. Brokenness still in people's lives. But Jesus says, I have come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. See, John the Baptist spoke about something very, very similar. John the Baptist came and he says this. He began to paint a picture. He says, I have come. He says, baptizing with water unto repentance. He says, but there is one coming after me who is greater than I. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He says, his winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor. He says, the wheat he will gather into the barn. It says, but the chaff, the chaff, that stuff is no good in our lives. It says, the chaff, he will burn up with unquenchable fire. So remember that but the chaff, he will burn up with unquenchable fire. See, John the Baptist began to paint a picture of the coming of Jesus Christ and what he wanted to do and what he can do. He's talking about Jesus Christ and the, Jesus Christ and the life of the believer. And he's saying he'll baptize with the Holy Spirit, but also fire. And he says this fire has a purpose. He says it's going to burn up the chaff in people's lives. He's going to burn up with unquenchable fire. You know, and we know in the day of Pentecost, God poured out his spirit. And we've seen a, a turn of fire upon each one's head. 
But this thing about the baptism of fire, see, there's a documentary out right now, it's on YouTube, it's called Baptism of Fire, and a woman made it called Patricia King, and uh, she's kind of, uh, she stays in Arizona, but she brought many other people in, in, into the documentary, and they all began to say the same thing. It says, this baptism of fire that John the Baptist prophesied about, it's yet not happened. He says, because if it had happened, we'd be seeing the results of it. We've maybe seen a measure of it. He says, but it's still not happened because, why can you say it's not happened? Because there's still so many issues in the lives of believers. Still so many issues in our lives. And when this baptism of fire happens, it says it will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And Jesus says this, it says that the end of the age will be the harvest, meaning there's going to be a great ingathering of souls. And for people to do that, for people, for him to use us in that day, we need to be set free. We need to be healed. And what they were prophesying was, this is coming, this is reserved for the end of the age, this baptism of fire. And I believe that as well. I believe that with all my heart. And when this comes, you know, there's going to be healing and transformation uh, on a, a scale that is unprecedented. And why do I believe it's going to happen? Because John the Baptist prophesied that in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and verse 12, he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I mean, the fire of God is going to hit people's lives. We've sang about it already. You know, Graham prayed about it in the wee prayer room. And he's going to do a work of grace in our lives and prepare people for these last days, you know, for a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to bring transformation. People will be transformed, really, into the image of Christ. That's what the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image. The image of the Lord, it's saying. The image of Jesus Christ. That's what the Scriptures are saying. We've only experienced a wee measure of it. Into His image, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord to us, the Spirit. This is the stuff the Bible promises us. You know, that we're going to be transformed. Second Corinthians 3.18, you could call it transformation glory. This is what God wants to do, I believe, in people's lives in these last days. Just a few months ago, I woke up, stuff is like this happens to, was, happens to me all the time, you know, more so last year, but it's, more so last year, it happens so, so many times, but I woke up and uh, this verse came to me, uh, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So I began to pray that verse, and I went on to the laptop just, just a short time later, and I got to this site every morning, you know, and there's a word on it for a, a, a minister, a different minister every day, so it's really diverse. And the minister began to speak about that very same scripture, the one that came to me that morning. The stuff like this has happened to me all the time, you know, last year for a, for a period of over a few months, maybe a six-month period. And what I knew God was saying to me is, I knew he was saying to me, I am going to pour out my spirit in a profound way. In a really, really profound way. I knew because he gave me the verse, the guy confirmed it through the verse, and it's happened through different verses time and time and time and time again. It's like one confirmation after the next, 
after the next after the next that God is going to do something powerfully in this generation you know and I know Graham believes that and many believe that in here because obviously just I listen to what he's praying and the, the, the passion there and many, many of us believe that you know, so I believe we're living in very exciting times because the number one issue in the world today is what we need is healing. People need healing. These people who are out there in deep darkness, they need healing as well. We need healing in the church, you know, and I believe with all my heart God is going to do it. Just one more verse and I'll pray and hand it back over to Graham. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17, it says, I will restore health to you, says the Lord, and heal you of your wounds. That is a promise from God. I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. You might be in here this morning and you might have issues within your health. You might have wounds in your soul. But God is saying, I will restore your health. I will heal those wounds. And when God begins to really heal the wounds within us, you know, we're set free to a degree that, that, that we've never experienced before. You know, to really function to our full potential. So thank you very much for listening. And Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We have seen change in our lives, Lord. We have seen a measure of transformation, a measure of healing, and a measure of restoration, Lord. But we are, we are crying out, Lord, for what the Bible promises. And it promises to be transformed into the very image of Christ, to be healed from the inside out, to be set free, Lord, so that we can serve you, Lord, like never before. So we can function, Lord, without these inward issues that would entangle us, Lord, and hinder us, Lord, for living fruitful, productive, successful lives, Lord. We pray, pray for this church right now, Lord, that you would use it as a beacon of hope, Lord, a beacon of light to this community, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, to pour out your spirit, Lord. I believe you're going to pour out your spirit in Moody'sburn, Lord, in this place, Lord. And we'll see many, many souls turning to Jesus Christ, Lord. We'll see many, many lives transformed. Lord, we're asking you, Lord, to transform us, Lord. We're crying out, we're contending for transformation, Lord. Oh, Lord, we're crying out for change, Lord. For change, for breakthrough in these days, Lord. As the deep calls unto the deep at the sound of your waterfall. John the Baptist prophesied, Lord, that the chaff will be burnt up with unquenchable fire. The very fire of God. Jesus, a baptizer in fire, Lord. We want to encounter Jesus as the baptizer of fire, Lord. Your word says it, Lord. We're believing it, Lord. And we're not... I'm going to let go. We're going to continue to contend, Lord, until you do something in this generation. In Jesus' name, amen.